The Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Game Podcast Network is brought to you by Game Time, your home for the lowest price last minute tickets. Download the Game Time app today and use promo code SGPN for $20 off. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Sign up today using promo code SGPN, and then go to sportsgamepodcast.com slash dog to enter our uh, bonus contest. Five winners will receive shirts, hats, and a $50 SGPN gift card. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, sports and platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit show at bets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. Welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Game Podcast Network. It is currently early Friday morning, roughly 2 a.m. Eastern Time on February 23rd. I'm your host, always Scott Rochelle, once again, going solo for this pod. Should be a fun episode because you do have time to go through six matches with the semifinals in Doha as well as the quarterfinals in Rio. So we're going to cover all six of those matches. We're not going to talk about Los Cabos because the lines are not out yet, so we are not going to bother. A reminder, though, before we get into any of the actual recap of the previous episode and the overall matches from Thursday, I want to remind everybody to check out the uh, podcast either on YouTube or on Spotify. And a reminder, if you are listening to the podcast on either one, you can check out the other. For example, we're not only on YouTube, we're also on Spotify or Apple. So don't forget to like and subscribe on YouTube. Don't forget to rate and review on Spotify or Apple. On top of that, also a reminder, we have merch on the SGPN merch store for the tennis podcast. If you want to support the show, you can get a hat, you can get a nice uh, mug, you can also get a nice shirt, for example. So check out the SGPN website for some Tennis Gambling Podcast merch if you want to support the show. Now, before we actually get into any of the recap, I do want to briefly do, you know, I'll do it after, actually. Uh, Starting off with the Lock and Dog recap, ended up splitting the last episode did have a loss with the lock. We had fees to win in straight sets of minus 116. Wasn't even close. Fonseca turned out to be a Brazilian sinner, and you ended up seeing fees get his ass kicked in that match. I believe he got bagels in the first set. So we faded the 17-year-old with pretty average at best challenger results, and that did not work out as fees got destroyed. However, did win the dog, though. Ended up winning with Ramos Vinola's money line at plus 127. We faded Varius, very competitive match, came down to the wire like I thought it would, but Ramos Vinolas eventually outlasted him as he won, I believe, 7-5 in the third. So nice winner there, basically broke even, is what it is. I'll look for a sweep here on Friday. Now, before we get into any of the actual uh, recaps, I do want to do one brief rant. I haven't done a rant in a while, so I'm going to do a betting rant. I have a lot of bones to pick with all of the sports books out there. Because I need you to explain to me why you can't post the lines for all the tennis matches in, I'd say, an orderly fashion. Because I've been sitting here for the last two, three hours waiting for the real lines to get posted. That's why the episode came out so late. Now, I ended up getting lines for two of them. I had lines on both of the Doha matches. I had lines on the Sarandola-Lohovic match and lines on the Baez-Montero match. Actually, no, I had lines on the Nori and and, uh, Seabeth-Wild match. Baez didn't have a line on any of my local books. I found one online, so apparently in Europe they have lines available, so I borrowed the betting lines from there. I couldn't find anything on the Fenseca and Navoni match, and I don't know know why. Uh, The match ended, the last match of the day, Fonseca ended up ending probably around like 8 p.m., maybe, give or take. It was a straight set win against Green, so it didn't take that long. It's 2 a.m. We still don't have lines on the match. Can you give us some damn lines? It's been... Basically four or five hours at this point, roughly six. Can we get lines without having to wait like six hours? I just feel like it's not asking much. You know the matchups. You know that both guys, in this case, ended up winning in straight sets. 
on Thursday. There's no injury. There's no real uncertainty involving the matchup at all. Can you just give us lines? So for the sake of this episode, I have lines on five of the six. I got fed up. I couldn't keep waiting for the Fonseca Navoni lines to get posted. So I ended up going ahead and recording anyway. But still, brief roast there. Give us some damn tennis lines on time instead of making us wait five, six hours to get them posted. I think it's ridiculous. That's my brief rant there. Now it's time to actually recap the matches from Thursday. I am going to include the actual um, matches from Los Cabos as well because those matches ended up finishing. So starting off in, I'll go uh, in order, starting with Doha. You had a pretty underwhelming day in Doha where you had three straight set wins and Kishanov won in, in three games. So Papyron ended up upsetting Bublik. Uh, that was a nice win there, 6-4, 6-4. Uh, you ended up seeing Kishanov beat Rusevori in three games. Then Rusevori decided, I'm done, and ended up retiring. You saw Mensek pull off a nice upset against Rublev. Uh, Mensik easily going to be a top 30 player in the future as he's only 18 years old. And Monfi ended up beating Umber in a pretty surprising upset based on the actual margin. He buried him, 1-6-2-6-4. So no drama at all, and you only had three matches out of four because Rusevori got injured. So pretty underwhelming day in Doha. As the outrights end up having one outright left, we got Kashanov to get the job done. Unfortunately, Rublev and Umber lost in the quarters is what it is. Hopefully, Kashanov can get it home uh, for us. As for uh, Rio, ended up seeing a pretty, once again, interesting or somewhat straightforward day because Lahovic beat Dajir in straight sets. Uh, Seabolt Wild beat Munar, but that was a continuation from the match the day prior. So Seabolt Wild got the job done in three. I believe that match got uh, suspended midway through the second set, I think. Uh, so you ended up seeing Munar win the second, and Seabolt Wild won the third. Nori killed Barrios Vera 6-1, 6-1. Baez beat Diaz Acosta, the same exact story in Cordoba, as he won 7-6, 6-3. Montero beat Alvis in a Brazilian matchup in straight sets. And you saw Navoni beat Hoffman in brutal fashion, 6-1, 6-2. And you saw Fonseca get the job done against Garin as a slight betting underdog. So a couple of takeaways in Rio. I'm going to start off with the overall... Uh, elephant in the room that I did not mention. Alcaraz got injured. So we'll start there. Uh, he got injured two points into the first match of the tournament, which is one of the worst case scenarios for the tournament organizers. No offense to the Brazilians, who, of course, who are still in attendance rooting for Fonseca and rooting for Montero, for example. But I'm sure a lot of guys or a lot of people there paid a lot of money to watch Alcaraz, or at least that's why they ended up going to the event. And Alcaraz got hurt. It sucks. Uh, he's had a really rough year in 2024. Really bad back half of 2023. Not fun for Alcaraz. I believe he ended up posting on Instagram that the injury is not serious. It is a mild sprain, which is good to hear. So we'll see if he's able to do the Netflix special, whatever you want to call it, against Nadal. Should be fine for the French Open, though. But he might be missing a couple of weeks. I believe he will be back for Indian Wells, I think. Uh, but we'll see how he's, has, uh, re his rehab ends up progressing over the next couple of weeks. But it does seem like Alcaraz dodged a bullet, still got injured, and had to re with, uh, retire midway through the first set. But at least the injury does not appear to be long-term. Now, the other elephant in the room that I have to mention, which is really the emergence of a potential superstar in Brazil, I got to talk about Fonseca, because Fonseca has been incredible. And I don't know why he struggled so much in challengers over the last couple of months. Now, he's only 17, so I am aware that youth could be a big reason for that. And you kind of thought, especially I did, 
that I just thought that he was going to be a little bit too immature to handle the moment against fees in the first round was not the case as once again, Fonseca has not dropped the set yet and then a beating fees in straight sets and be green in straight sets. Kid's incredible. Uh, I got to start off there. The firepower that he possesses from the forehand side, especially is otherworldly. It's in the same caliber as Alcaraz and center. It's a crazy amount of power, especially for a 17-year-old. So Fonseca is a serious guy to watch moving forward, and I apologize to him. I was not familiar with his game, uh, at least as much as I should have been, because damn, the firepower is undeniable, and I have to bring it up. So Fonseca, if he keeps progressing, this guy's a potential superstar. So we'll see what happens, but the, the, uh, the power that he has is insane and the fact that it's on clay and you can notice how great the power actually is he's going to win a bunch of a bunch of atp tournaments if he ends up progressing the way that we think he might the talent is undeniable he's only 17 he has a very very bright future let's put it that way so i believe he's one of the youngest players to ever make an atp quarterfinal so we'll see how he does moving forward on friday but the point is i had to mention those two storylines in rio alcaraz got injured and you ended up seeing fonseca really just have a coming out party where he looks like a potential, uh, I'd say serious threat over the next couple of years if he continues to progress. And maybe if the serve gets a little bit better and the consistency gets better, but he's only 17. So definitely wanted to mention that. Uh, moving on to Los Cabos briefly, uh, you had a pretty straightforward uh, match for three of them and you had absolute anarchy in one of them. So I'll save the anarchy one for last. Rude beat Borges in straight sets. Rude has looked fantastic. The court in Los Cabos is hardcore, technically very slow. Kind of reminds me of Medvedev arguing with the umpire and Indian Wells about how it's not actually hardcore. He's a hardcore expert, quote unquote. And that's kind of how I feel in Los Cabos. The court is very slow, a lot of breaks, a lot of long rallies, and Rude has been phenomenal, especially when how good he is on clays, especially in 250s. And Rude has looked extremely comfortable as he ended up destroying Giron in the first round and beat Borges comfortably in the straight sets on Thursday. You had Sitsipas beating Kovacevic in straight sets. Battle of one-handed backhand. Sitsipas is better. Defending champion, not a total shock there as he got the job done 7-6-6-3. Zverev beat Kokonakis. Kind of what I thought it would be on paper. Zverev's better. I'm not a big Kokonakis guy. Props to him, though, for coming back against Draper in the first round. But Kokonakis, I'm not a big fan of. I don't think he's that great of a player. And Zverev's more consistent as he got the job done and he won in straight sets. Then you had the craziest match of the day. Uh, you had two crazy matches, actually. One on the women's side and one on the men's side. So the question is, which collapse was worse? Was it Vandrozova, who was up 6-1-5-2? 6-1-5-2. And she lost the match, which is almost impossible. Uh, but she ended up doing so as uh, Sirstia uh, ended up coming back. I might have butchered the pronunciation. Apologies there. But Vandrozova, 6-2-5-1. And you lose the match. That's crazy. And you saw Mickelson, who had I don't know I don't know if it was worse or not, but it it's up there. Uh, so to go through Mickelson's collapse, he won the first set via bagel. In fact, he won the first nine games of the match against Thompson. So he's up six nothing, three nothing. Uh, to go into the second set even further, he was also up four uh, two. So he's still up a break in that case. Uh, ended up having a, a two separate break points at four at a four three where he could have gone up 5-3, ended up having three separate match points at 6-5 uh, with Thompson serving, and he blew it. He blew the entire match. He ended up blowing the second set with the three match points, uh, ended up losing the breaker 
7-1, then went up a break immediately in the third set, ended up going... Uh, serving it, trying to serve it out for the match as he tried to serve it at 5-4. Broken to love, then broken again at 5-6 and lost the match. So you can kind of choose whichever one you think is worse, but the Vondrosva one is an all-timer on paper. Uh, 6-2-5-1. You lose the match. I believe she had six match points in that one, but the Mickelson one, damn, man. I mean, you're up. I mean, that's, that's just awful. Uh, the fact that he even took a lead again in the third set with a break and choked it serving out for the match made it even worse. But 6 nothing, 3 nothing, and you lose the set, and then you lose the match, that's pretty bad too. So Thompson, props to him, phenomenal comeback, tremendous resolve, and I got to mention it. That's an all-time choke job by Mickelson and an all-time choke job by Sirstia, by uh, by Vondrosva, I mean. And shout-out to Thompson and Sirstia for coming back. So that was the main, uh, I'd say, source of chaos for, those, for the actual slate. The rest was pretty straightforward. But the Mickelson collapse and the Vondrosva collapse were the two main storylines. And Rabakina getting injured and uh, withdrawn with her match against Paolina, uh, Paolini. But still, a point is that's going to do it for the actual recap of the Thursday matches. Now it's time to get into the actual preview of the Friday matches. But before we get into any of that, going to have a quick word from our sponsor. We're brought to you by Game Time. I don't know about all of you, but I personally love attending sport events in person. It used to be very annoying to actually find a ticketing platform that I could trust, but that changed once I found Game Time, because Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They have a lot of great features on the app, including my favorite feature, which is the images of seat views, which is very useful, because I'm sure we've all been there before. You've bought a ticket, you thought you were going to get a nice view of the action, and then you realize there's an obstruction, a pull, something in your way, and you realize that you just paid money for an event that you could barely see based on the seats that you got. That will not happen with Game Time because with this feature, you're able to see a preview of the view you would be getting if you ended up purchasing that seat. So you end up knowing exactly what view you're going to get before spending your hard-earned money. It's also worth mentioning that Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget plenty of months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, theater, comedy, and more. And the Game Time guarantee also means you'll get the best price available every single time. Because if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. So it's not going to take out the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code SGPN for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code SGPN for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy has a way to plug cider for fantasy players all season long. NBA, NHL, soccer, and college basketball. Simply pick higher or lower on your favorite players' fantasy stats and cash in. And SGPN is currently teaming up with Underdog to give you even more of a bonus. Sign up between now and the end of the month. And five winners will receive an Underdog hat, an Underdog shirt, and a $50 SGPN gift card. Sign up today using promo code SGPN and then go to sportscampockets.com slash dog to enter the contest for your chance to win. And when you sign up with the promo code SGPN, Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. So Underdog Fantasy, promo code SGPN. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished recapping what happened on Thursday in the three tournaments. Now it's time to get into the actual uh, preview for the matches on Friday in both Doha and Rio. Going to start off in Doha based on just the overall clock and the time that these matches start. So to look at the actual first match on the schedule in Doha, we're going to look at the matchup between Kashanov and Papyrin. I'll look at the actual odds here. Kashanov's a pretty decent favorite here at minus 255, and Papyrin is around plus 215 the other way. 
The over-under set at around 22.5 or 23. I actually see 22.5, so I'm going to quickly adjust that for a second. But I see 22.5. The over is about minus 120. The under is around even money. The game spread, you have Kashanov between 2.5 and 3.5. Half. 2.5 uh, is minus 150. 3.5 is plus 110. So the spread is basically 3. And Papyron plus 3.5 is minus 130. For the sake of the actual set wagering, you can find Kashanov in straight sets at plus 110. Papyron to win a set is minus 140. Over under 2.5 sets, the over is plus 135. The under is minus 165. Now the head-to-head has been pretty competitive between these players, as you've seen a couple of marathon matches. Now... Kashanov's gotten the better of most of these matches as he as he is a two and one in the head to head. Last meeting was pretty straightforward though, faced off last year in Tokyo, and Papyron actually ended up burying Kashanov six four six two. But Kashanov won the first two matches in Rotterdam in three back in twenty twenty two, and he won in Dubai in three sets as well. So based on the actual head to head, Papyron has a decent shot to actually win this thing or at least make it competitive. I'm going to win to Kashanov. I just think he's the better player, and he's really had no issues in this event so far. But Pyron was pushed to the brink in the first round by Shelbay, which you could argue is just a matter of the guy adjusting to the actual court itself. Uh, but you're looking at the last couple of matches, went to uh, three sets against Grenier, ended up beating Bublik. We know Bublik's a bit of a head case at times, uh, but Bublik has been pretty good this season, so still a solid win there for Pyron. But three sets against Shelbay and Grenier, not exactly ideal. Kishanov has been coasting, though. Won in straight sets against Morozin and played three games against Rusevori. And his only loss recently was against Dimitrov in a final set breaker. Uh, beat Jang 6-4-6-1, beat Batista Agut in Marseille. Agut's wash, but still. Point is that you think that Kashanov's in better form. So I am in a lane to Kashanov to win the match. The issue is the actual price. It feels a bit steep to me. I think the Pyron should be closer, in my opinion, to plus 160, plus 170. So I think the value might be on the Pyron here. I would not mind the actual games in favor of Papyron plus a three and a half. I can see a longer match taking place. I like the over at 22 and a half games personally, a minus 120. I can see a breaker. I can see a potential three setter. I don't mind the over two and a half sets of plus 135. I expect a close match, and I do think that I'm going to lean to Kashanov to get it done. But when you're looking at the head to head, and each of Kashanov's two wins are in three sets, and Papyron's the most recent winner, and that was a comfortable win in Tokyo, and he's a North of plus 200 underdog, I got to be tempted by the dog here at that price. So I'm going to link to Papyron based on the odds, and I am going to link to the over as well in this match. But I do think Ashanov will eventually find a way to win a marathon, and I'm picking him to win the match on the money line. Not going to bet it, though, obviously, at minus 255. I don't even want to give it out as like a parlay piece because I think this, these odds are just wrong. So I'm going to lean to Papyron plus the games at plus three and a half. Moving on to the next match, you have a surprising uh, matchup here for the semis. You have Monfi taking on Mensik. Manfi has been fantastic in this event, as he was able to destroy Umber in the Thursday match. Mensik, though, has been really good as well, as he ended up beating Rublev in straight sets. Had the marathon match against Murray, which he should have won comfortably in the third set, as he was up a double break at 5-2, punted it away entirely, and eventually won the breaker. So it could have been worse, at least he won the match, but that would have been a really bad choke job as well. Point is, though, Monfi is a slight favorite here, minus 135, and Mensik is around plus 115. The over-under for games is set at 22.5 as well. As for the game spread, you have Monfi minus 1.5 at minus 105, Mensik plus 1.5 at minus 115. You can find the over 2.5 sets at plus 130. You can find Monfi in straight sets at plus 175, Mensik in straight sets at plus 250. Now, for the sake of this matchup, 
I do think Monfi has looked like the better player, but it's been very close. Monfi has actually been in good form. I know that I was kind of writing off some of the older guys. Gasquet won a match in this event. Congratulations, for example. Murray won a match. Congratulations. They lost immediately in the next round against an opponent that's actually just solid. So I'm not going to read much into it. Gasquet's win against Shevchenko, though, is pretty good. But still, point is there are a couple of older guys, a good lad to the list, who I just think are totally cooked. Monfi's not totally cooked. I might have been overselling it a bit. He's still well past his prime, don't get me wrong, but he has these flashes and these random tournaments where he can show some life, and this is one of them. He's been really good. Now, Monfi, to go through his actual path here, beat Dezanchulp in straight sets, beat Jang, who's in great form uh, in the first match, especially as he killed Musetti, and he ended up seeing Monfi beat him in three, and he beat Umbert, who's been in the best form of his career, and he won that one 6-2, 6-4. So Monfi's look, Monfi's look good as for Mensik, Beat Fakina in straight sets, beat Murray in three, and beat Rublev, uh, Rublev, I mean, in straight sets. So both guys have been good. I really think that the side is not a great option. I'm going to lean Monfi to win, but I really don't see much edge on either side. So I guess I'm leaning to Mensik based on a coin flip in my eyes, but plus 115, not exactly thrilled with it. I prefer the over in this match. I see a close matchup. It's worth mentioning that Mensik's been a tiebreaker machine. There have been some breakers uh, that in involve some breaks of serve, so it's not like a, a, an actual hold fest. But Mensik has gone to a breaker in four of his last five sets. So I do think you're looking at what should be a bit of a marathon, maybe a breaker or two. 22 and a half games, though, does feel a bit low for what should be a very even affair. Give me the over as a result. I'll link to the over in sets as well at plus 130. Don't mind the player prop team total there. If you want to go for the over 12.5 with either Monfi or Mensik, maybe both get there, but I think 12.5 is a little bit low, so I am going to lean to the over in that prop market as well. Moving on to Rio, though, we are going to look at the first matchup between Sarundalo and Lahovic. Sarundalo is a minus 161 favorite as Lahovic is around plus 141. I actually see these lines shifting a bit, so I'm going to quickly adjust that. But money has come in on Lahovic as Sarandolo is now down to minus 150. And I believe Lahovic is now at plus 130. So I'm quickly just adjusting that right now. Uh, also, the totals moved. So let me just quickly fix that. So Sarandolo is still a favorite. He's not as big a favorite as he was about an hour ago. Uh, but Sarandolo is still minus 150. Lahovic plus 130 over under 22 and a half games. The under is minus 120. The, uh, the uh, over is even money. As to the game spread, you can find between one and a half and two and a half. The one and a half for Sarundalo minus the one and a half is minus 130, plus one and a half for Lahovic is even money. If you want to go for the two and a half, you can find minus two and a half at minus 105, plus two and a half at a minus 115. Uh, if you want to find the set wagering over two and a half sets is plus 130, under is minus 160. Sarundalo in straight sets is plus 160, Lahovic in straight sets is a plus 275. Now, for the actual head to head between these players, didn't mention in the last event uh, for Monfi because they is never faced off against Mensik. But for the head-to-head -head here, they faced off one time. Lahovic did beat Trundolo in Cincinnati last year. Does it mean anything? Not really, because that was on hard court. But Lahovic is not exactly known for being a great hardcore player. So maybe that matters. But the point is, Trundolo was in really bad form to start the year. And he was in really underwhelming form in the first round because he had a bit of a struggle there as he won in three sets, but he ended up alternating six ones in the first round against an opponent he was a massive favorite against. But then he found his groove again in that third set, winning 6-2, carried over into the second round as he destroyed Ramos Vinolas as he won 6-2, 6-1. So it appears that Sarandolo might have regained his form to some degree. At least he's not as 
bad as he was in the first month or so of the season. But Lahovich has been solid. We saw him make a pretty respectable run uh, a couple of uh, actually last tournament against uh, in Buenos Aires, and then a beating fees in straight sets, beat Tabilo, lost to the eventual champion, Diaz Acosta. But we know Lahovich is a solid clay player, then showed up for Rio, ended up beating Galan in three sets and beat Dejir in straight sets. So Lahovich is in good form, and Sarandolo has been streaky, but still has looked better recently compared to the last month or so. I understand why Sarandolo is favored here. Do I want to lay 150? Not really. I think 150 is a bit steep. I think that Sarandolo, I need to see a bigger sample of him playing good tennis. He's played three really good sets in a row. It's a start. I got to see more before I lay 150 against a proven uh, ATP clay player. I'm going to lean to Lahovich plus the uh, games here are two and a half. I am going to lean to the over, though. I can see this going three sets. I mentioned before that Lahovich did go to three sets against Galan in the first round, did have a 7-5 against Dejir in the second round. So I can see a bit of a marathon here. So I am going to lean to the over, and I am going to lean to the dog here. Minus 150, just a little bit steep for Sarandolo. Once again, if he wins, would I be shocked? No, because I think that when both players are on, I think Sarandolo is better. But 150 is too steep for a pretty volatile player. Give me the more consistent option at plus 130. I'm going to lean to the over as well. Moving on to the next match, you have Baez against Montero. So Baez is a minus 222 favorite. Montero is plus 175. Over-under set at 22.5. This line I found in Europe, so I didn't actually have any other... Like set wagering props. I'm, I think I might have seen like plus 115 for the set wagering for buys and straight sets, but nothing uh, really that tangible that I could use. So I'm just going to stick with these lines and we'll go from there. Baez is three and one in the head to head, but the matches have been competitive. So Baez did win the last meeting in Santiago in 2022 as Baez won in three. They faced off in Rio. So this exact event two years ago, and Montero did win. Uh, in three, despite losing the first set 6-1. Faced off in Brazil in 2021 as well, different event, and Baez won that one in straight sets. And they faced off in Buenos Aires in 2021, Baez won in straight sets with a bagel in the second set. So the point is Montero has been pretty fortunate for his first couple of rounds because he was supposed to lose to Alcaraz in the first round. I don't think any of us were going to pick him to win that match. Alcaraz got injured in the middle of the uh, first game, and ended up retiring midway through the third game. So Montero was supposed to get his ass kicked, ended up getting a miracle draw to advance to the second round. Made the most of beat Alves, who I don't think is that great of a player in general. So pretty easy path for Montero so far. As for Baez, he's been really solid. Beat Mutet in straight sets, 6-4, 6-3, and beat Diaz Acosta in straight sets. I know fatigue might have been an issue for Diaz Acosta, but he ended up looking pretty sharp after a slow start against Waranka in the first round as he eventually won that in straight sets. So Bai is in better form. I think he's the better clay player. The issue is the fact that there's home court advantage and the fact that Montero has really given Baez problems in the past, where Baez has won uh, three of the four, but the last meeting went to three sets. They faced off one time in this event, and Montero won in three. I do think, though, Baez is the better player by a pretty substantial margin, just based on watching them play over the years. I am an only to Baez in straight sets. I don't feel great about it. It might come down to the wire, but I do think that Baez, the value for me is on the straight sets. I don't see much else. I don't have odds on the over two and a half sets. Do I want to take it? Not really, because Baez has looked really sharp so far in this event. He even looked pretty sharp in Buenos Aires. The issue was he completely no-showed one match against Coria, 
But overall, he's been pretty decent recently, and Montero's been fine, I guess. I mean, he lost in the second round to Vavasori in Buenos Aires, had a decent showing in the Davis Cup, uh, but I do think looking at this overall matchup here, Baez is better. I can get the better player plus money to win in straight sets. That's what I'm going to do. So I'm going to link to Baez in straight sets at around plus 110, plus 115. Moving on to the last match of the show, we have Nori taking on Seabolt Wild. You have Nori at around minus 261, and you have Seabolt Wild at around plus 216. As for the actual... um, Sorry, I actually have lines now for bias set wagering. It is plus 115. So once again, that's going to be my main lean there. If you want the over two and a half sets, you can find that at plus 140. Uh, moving on, though, to the next match, you have a matchup between... Nori and Seabolt Wild. It actually is not the last match. I forgot that I do not have lines on the Fonseca match. But either way, point is, Nori is a pretty decent favorite here for the actual game spread. Nori is minus 3.5 and and minus 110. Seabolt Wild is plus 3.5 and and minus 110 as well. Over-under for games, over 22.5 is even money. Under is minus 120. As for the set wagering, you can find Nori in straight sets at plus 105. You can find Seabolt Wild to an ace set at minus 135. And you can find the over 2.5 sets at plus 145. So simply put for this matchup, no head information. Seabolt Wild was in really bad form for a while and then found his groove in this event because he ended up having to come back and beat Tabilo in the first round, and he ended up doing so. Then went to three against Munar. They finished that match on uh, Thursday after it started the day prior and had to be suspended. But the point is gone to three sets in each of the first two rounds against decent competition. Tabilo's okay. Munar's fine on clay. I think that Nori's better, obviously. Nori has been cruising. I think he's looked at the best player here by a pretty substantial margin. Beat Delian, 6-3-6-2. They had a three-set marathon here last year, and Nori beat him more comfortably in this one. And then beat Barrios Vera, 6-1-6-1. I'm going to link to Nori in straight sets here at plus 105. I know Seabolt Wild has the home country advantage with the fans. I get it. But Nori's been really, really good. And I think that he's been the best player here. Seabolt Wild is fine. But when you go to three sets constantly, and I now you have a step up of competition, I am a bit concerned. And I think plus 105 is a good way to reduce the juice on the minus 261 favorite. So give me Nori to win in straight sets here, defending champion. So I know that he could handle the actual environment, uh, whether the crowd's with him or against him. And he's been really solid on this court. So give me Nori in straight sets at plus 105 as my main lean for this match. Moving on to the last match, I have no lines whatsoever. You have Fonseca taking on Navoni, which should be a very fun matchup because they are two very solid young up-and-comers on clay. And they faced off one time before, faced off in Brazil, different event in 2022. And Fonseca did win in three with a final set breaker. So expect to see some fireworks and some really competitive tennis because Fonseca has been really good. As I mentioned before, he has not dropped a set yet, beat Fees in straight sets and beat Green in straight sets. You're looking at uh, Navona, though. He's been great, too. Ended up going through qualifying, beat Alvin in straight sets, beat Olivier, uh, Olivieri in straight sets, ended up beating Coria in three. Good win there. Ended up beating Hoffman 6-1, 6-2. Fonseca might be a bit of a favorite here. I'm assuming he will be based on the crowd and the hype, so I think he might be a slight favorite. It might be minus 110 apiece, but with the head-to-head advantage, I probably would assume the line's going to be Fonseca minus 120, give or take. Navoni's been really good, though. I think I'm going to link to the over in this one with the sets. I see a war. Once again, they face off in the first meeting back in 2022. Yes, I know that was over a year ago, but still... Went to three sets. Both guys have been very comfortable 
with this court, and I do think that the firepower for both guys should be on full display. Give me a nice, long, competitive match between two up-and-comers. Give me the over as my main lean for this match. I'm going to lean to Fonseca based on the crowd and just the overall upside with his game. But I do think that Navona is not going to go quietly, and I do think he's going to want to put together a good showing here. So I am going to lean to the over as my main play in that match. That's going to wrap it up, though, for the actual previews of those six matches since we are skipping Los Cabos. Now it is time for the Lock and Dog picks. But before we do that, I can have a quick word from our sponsor. We're brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets. Win bigger by betting smartest NBA season with Hall of Fame Bets. Sports fan analytics platform parlays, player props, and game lines. Research every NBA and soccer bet with historical stats and data. Enter any parlay to and Hall of Fame Bets is a revolutionary prop tool to get hit rates broken down by leg, as well as expect probability for the entire parlay. Sort all players by hit rate for any bet to learn which players are hot and which picks have value. Stop betting in the dark and join over 30,000 users researching with Hall of Fame Bets to craft more intelligent, dad-driven parlays. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app for the HOBets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month today. Start researching, start winning with Hall of Fame Bets. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished re- uh, recapping the matches from Thursday and then previewing the matches for Friday in Doha and in Rio. Now it is time for the Lock and Dog pick. Starting off with the Lock, I am going to go back to Doha. I'm going to look at the later match between Mensik and Monfi. I am going to go with the over 22.5 games, a minus 110 as my Lock. Simply put, Monfi is a slight favorite here, minus 135, but the matchup is very close based on the odds. And I think it should be a coin flip. Both guys have been in very good form. Monfi ended up taking center to three sets in the last event in Rotterdam. Ended up going to three against Zhang. We know that he has been in great form recently. And I do think that Monfi, with his serve being up and down, might struggle to hold regularly in some spots here. But I expect him to be a little bit inconsistent. Mensik the same way. We've seen him get broken. But the firepower should be able to help. Uh, him be aggressive and to take charge in a lot of points. So a bit of a conflicting style there between the two of them, which should result in a nice uh, long match. Plus, I mentioned it before, but I'll mention it again. Four of Mensik's last five sets have gone to tiebreakers. So you have seen a lot of long sets. You win this with a 7-6-6-4, maybe a couple breakers, or maybe it goes three, and you basically win automatically. But with the amount of long sets Mensik's had recently, I see a couple long sets here. So I am going to assume you'll get maybe one breaker in this match. Plus four month feeds, the last six matches have gone over this number. So the line feels too short to me. Give me the over 22 and a half games as my lock in the Mensik and Monfi match. For the dog, I am going to go back to Rio. I am going to go to the Nori match. You can see both wild. Give me Nori to win in straight sets at plus 105. Nori has not only won every set here, he has not dropped more than three games in a set yet. He has been destroying people. And I do think that Seabolt Wild, who should look a little bit energized in front of the crowd, play, he's played a lot of tennis with the uh, three-set marathons he's had. But I, th- I simply put, think that Nori is a massive step up of competition. Uh, he ended up going to three sets in each of the first two rounds. Nori's defending champion. He's been very comfortable in Rio in years past. And I do think that Seabolt Wild will eventually lose this one in a competitive straight sets, maybe a 6-4, 6-4. But Nori's consistency on this court has been on full display. He looks like the sharpest player here by a pretty decent margin. And I think Seabolt Wild is, once again, it's good to see him get back on track. But still, I think there's still a talent gap. And I am going to go with Nori at a pretty good price here at plus 105 to win in straight sets. So once again, my picks for the show, the lock is going to be on Mensik and Monfi. Over 22 and a half games at minus 110. And the dog will be on Nori, twin straight sets at plus 105. 
That's going to wrap it up for this episode. Find me on, on the uh, NBA Gambling Podcast, the NFL Gambling Podcast, WNBA as well. A bunch of shows, the network, MLB as well. Uh, we're going to be doing some division previews coming up soon, so and MLB will be back in full display. Uh, besides that, though, I was aware I kind of messed up the actual schedule for the show this past week because I forgot that Doha does everything a day early. So back once again tomorrow for the Doha final and the uh, semis in Rio. So back once again tomorrow. But until next time, a reminder to like and subscribe and to rate and review the podcast on either Apple or Spotify. And a reminder to check out the merch store to buy some merch for the show. Until tomorrow, though, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.